Hello, listeners, and welcome back for another episode of Deadly Ever After. Ever After. I'm your host, Harry. Uh, I'm your host, Elizabeth Harry, and that's my husband, Harry. I have such a great case for us today. Um, this is a little bit like of a lesser known case. It's it's somewhat modern, like within the last 20 years. It has twists, it has turns, it's got intrigue, it's got all the stuff that we love about true crime. So and and like you know, listeners, we love true crime. Yeah, Harry. Oh my god. Yeah, we do. We love it. Okay. Should we just dive in? Sure. Okay. Sure. On August 22nd, 2005, a woman called 911 in Weedsport, New York. Her name was Stacy Castor, and she told the operator that her husband David had locked himself in their bedroom all weekend after arguing with her on Friday night. He had been drinking heavily and he told the woman to take her kids and leave. He then changed his mind and said if Stacy ever left him, she'd be sorry. Police were dispatched to the Castor home to check on David. And when they arrived, Stacy mentioned that David slept with a shotgun underneath the bed and she was concerned that he had committed suicide. Police kicked the locked bedroom door down and they found David Castor lying face down on the bed, naked and dead. Where was David's shotgun that he kept under the bed? It was still under the bed, I think. I don't know. Mm. I'm Harry. I, I just put my detective cap on for a moment. I was thinking, if I'm a detective, I'm thinking, where's the shotgun? You're wondering what his cause of death was because I'm going to get there. Please be patient. Oh, okay. David Castor was Stacy's second husband. He owned a heating and cooling business, and Stacy had been his secretary. Hmm. They got married in 2003. David had also been married once before. They both had children from their previous marriages. Stacy had two daughters, and David had one son. Unfortunately, from the jump, there was tension in the household. Stacy's daughters, Ashley and Bree, didn't like their stepfather, and he didn't really like them either. According to Stacy, well, that's okay. I mean, it's, it would be worse if the, you know, the love was one way, but mutual dislike. I'd you don't think it's possible to have your stepfather not show you any affection? Well, if you're not showing him any affection, that's, uh, you know. I mean, your stepfather didn't show you any affection. And I know that, you know, that's that was like a lot of pain in your childhood, though. How can you say that? Right, right. But things would be different if I if I had have not shown him any affection, that would have been okay. But I think that's where the disconnect was. And now I know that looking back that, you know, I should have just not made an effort in hindsight. Harry, yeah. that's so sad. Do you hear yourself? Well, let's forget about me for a moment. What is sad, I think, about this story so far is this is like the Brady Bunch. You you said that about the Petersons back in, in episode one. Like, not every blended family is like the Brady Bunch. First well, of all, only three kids. The son doesn't even, like, live with them because I think he's too old. And they don't have an Alice. And their house looks... You, they weren't in the same financial bracket as the Brady's. So... Okay. You keep making that reference and it's just not accurate. It's okay. accurate well, for the Petersons, but... Okay. Well, okay. I'll accept that. But, you know, if, if, if it comes out in this story, 
that there is an Alice. I think maybe someone owes me an apology. Harry, I know the story. I wrote the story. It's not going to come. Uh, I thought you were just printing these off Wikipedia, but. What? No, listeners. No, I, this, I spend hours every week. I read books on certain cases. No, no books. I read full books. Um, on my Kindle, I watch like 2020 documentaries. Um, you know, I watch a lot of like archival news programs from when these cases take place. I read articles, not on Wikipedia, like from the LA Times and the Sacramento Bee and the New York Times. So how, how can you say that? Oh, yeah. No, okay. okay. Fair, fair enough. I just, I think last time I walked past your you know, when you're on your Kindle, you were reading Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. So I, I assume well, that's, you want, that's how I to... unwind. Right. That is how I unwind from my extremely stressful everyday life, Harry. Do you have a problem with that? No. Um, I like to envision that I inhabit a magical world instead of the grim, dark reality. Okay. Grim? That I face. Grim is it? I, I provide for you, and I think that... that Winter in Rochester, okay? I think grim is a fair word. Well, okay. That makes it seem like, you know, the um, the photos, the, the glamour photos we got taken and put in the entry entry hall, like, that's... I thought that would brighten up the place, but apparently our, our place is still a bit grim. Harry, it's so. not about a physical... It's not about our home. It's not about you. It's just It's just a a feeling in my heart okay not we talked about this with Joyce about you making everything about you sometimes my feelings first of all all my feelings are valid I have to give myself space to feel my feelings and they're not all about you or related to you just because we're married you know I can feel something I can be having the saddest most miserable day and you can walk on by and you could be having a beautiful day those both of those truths can be true that's fair yeah yeah as you know i think i'm trying i'm trying to look i'll 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 try to do as joyce says and i will try to respect and understand your trauma thank you but i think yeah you know if we can switch gears a little bit listeners we here at deadly ever after are open to uh, advertising if you have Harry, your own business Harry, or work please, for a company what are you and, doing what are you doing uh well we we didn't we discuss this earlier that you know this would be we do uh, you know we do want advertisers right oh my god yes but not like not like this this is embarrassing it's, it's embarrassing because you're not you're not helping me I meant like sending emails going going to the businesses like with a flyer things printed out statistics um payment plans different different tiers of advertising i don't i don't want to harass our listeners well i think we can do both we just you know it's like throwing spaghetti against the wall <sighs> we just get you know i'll i'll do my thing here i'll keep on appealing to any listeners who have, do have their own business if you and I'll would do like the actual work that. and be professional okay like always okay fine yeah yeah exactly like always but yeah i'm always professional and we will always get back to you with uh, very affordable rates and 
I, uh, I think, I'm not sure about you, Liz, but I think we're open to even doing ads for your company for free. Absolutely not. We are absolutely and, not. Harry, we have- Wait, wait, wait. Hear me out. We do it for free. But then if you like it, then you send us some money. Listeners pay absolutely no attention to Harry. He does not know what the fuck he's talking about. Honestly, you're embarrassing me and you're embarrassing my business that I have already made like a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization for. And I have a whole plan. So listeners, just just ignore this. This is nonsense as usual. Thanks, Harry. Can we please get back to Stacey Castor? I haven't even gotten... Listeners, just a quick thing. The email is harry at deadlyeveraffter.wordspace.org. Thanks. Uh, continue. Stacy didn't want to leave her youngest teenager home alone for that long. His name was Hamalon? Oh, my God. Oh, I'm sorry. I spaced out there. Stacy didn't want to leave her youngest teenager at home alone for that long, and the two had a seven-hour argument about it. Got it. Is that making sense? The seven-hour argument doesn't make sense, though. Well, I agree, I'm, but... What, what's our record? Five hours? Oh, my... I don't keep track, because when I'm in it, it feels like a never-ending hell, to be honest with you. I'm going to write that down. That's something I'm going to bring up with Joyce. Never-ending hell. Is never-ending uh, hyphenated? Or is it one word? What word? Never ending hell. I'm adding the hyphen. I feel like it's hyphenated. At one point, David locked himself in their bedroom, got drunk, and refused to come out. Been there. When she knocked on the door and didn't get a response, Stacy assumed David was sleeping it off. After police found David's body, they searched the house. They found liquor bottles on the nightstand in the bedroom, and they also found a bottle of antifreeze underneath the bed. Oh, no. So he's he's been pounding down the beers and then accidentally been drinking anti... You cannot just drink antifreeze. Is this but, a PSA you'd like to give to the people? Everyone knows, Harry. Everyone knows not to drink antifreeze, so... But go ahead. All right, listeners, um, if... Just a, a reminder from Harry, the podcast... Stop it. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Do not drink antifreeze. An officer found a turkey baster in the kitchen garbage, which had droplets of alcohol still inside it. People have committed suicide by drinking antifreeze, even though it is an excruciating way to die. And it appeared that's how David Castor had died. Although Stacy had told the 911 operator and police that she feared her husband was suicidal, investigators still tested the physical evidence they found at the crime scene. And like, actually, I have to tip my hat to the Weedsport police because like that's like pretty good police work. And a lot of the cases that we cover, it's like they don't, you know, they just they're like, oh, you say it's a suicide. All right. Like, let's wash our hands. It must be a suicide. So I do want to give props to the local police for that. If I uh, if I commit suicide, please, I want to investigate Liz. OK, seriously. If you commit suicide, no one will be surprised. Well, because they'll know that I didn't do it. And no, you, okay. Someone close to me, or just maybe behind. I'm not saying it's never going to happen, but okay. if it did, it'd be because I did it, it would be because something else happened. I'm getting pretty fucking tired of these aspersions you keep casting on me. Listeners, 
I'm not a violent person. I'm not an angry person. I'm a very, very kind, loving, supportive wife. And I'm not going to be the one that kills Harry. If Harry dies, it's not going to be my fault. On the record, no matter what he says, every episode, jabbing me, trying to make me out to be a Stacey caster. I'm just not, okay? I'm just not. Well, spoilers, spoilers. We didn't know. Listeners, the listeners didn't know that Stacey was, was behind. I didn't even know. Brian, I didn't oh. spoil anything. Oh, okay. Okay. And and to be fair, to be fair, I don't think that that's how I'm going to go out. I think, you know, if if I do pass away, it will be, you know, it will be like a fishing accident or something. A fish something accident. really, un- really unlucky to, yeah, but. A fishing accident. We don't even own a boat. Yeah, exa- exactly. That's like, that's how unlikely and unlucky I would be. It would be something totally random. A drinking glass with antifreeze revealed to have Stacy's fingerprints on it, and the turkey baster that police found in the kitchen garbage had traces of antifreeze inside it. Police were also skeptical of the crime scene itself. David Castor was suicidal. Why didn't he shoot himself in the head with the shotgun he kept in his bedroom? Why would he poison himself and die slowly and painfully? The medical examiner had immediately ruled David's death a suicide, but police remained unconvinced. They were interested in Stacy as a suspect and wanted to speak to her first husband, but no one could locate him. Police then realized it was because he was also dead. Strangely enough, David Castor had been buried in a cemetery next to Stacy's first husband, Michael Wallace, who had died in 2000, three years before David. According to friends and family, Stacy and Michael were happy for the first few years of their marriage. They had two daughters together, Ashley and Bree. Apparently, Michael Wallace showed intense favoritism towards his youngest child and forged an extremely close bond with her. This put some strain on his marriage in addition to the alleged drug and alcohol problems he had. Stacy also told investigators that Michael had cheated on her before and while they were married. So after a few years, she was contemplating divorce. She asked a divorced friend of hers for the number of her divorce attorney around Thanksgiving but told people she was going to wait until after the holidays were over so as to not upset her kids. And that, that is nice. She gets points for that, honestly. Yeah. That's, you know, out of this horrid story so far that it's a moment of a touch of class. I, well, I don't know that I would say that Stacy Castor has class per se. I would, I, I mean, I, I support strong independent women. Who, this, uh, no, no. After their family. A few weeks later, in December 1999, Michael Wallace fell ill. He couldn't walk or talk normally and began vomiting without warning or reason. Despite this, he never went to the doctor. On January 11th, 2000, Stacy's eldest daughter, Ashley, came home from school and found her dad on the couch in the living room. He was awake but unable to speak and having trouble breathing. Ashley, who was only 11 at the time, didn't realize anything was wrong with her dad. She left the house to retrieve her little sister Bree from school. And by the time the two of them returned home, Michael Wallace was lying dead on the couch. An ambulance rushed him to the hospital, but it was too late. Doctors declared David had died from a heart attack, even though he was only 38 years old. Michael's family wanted to perform an autopsy to confirm the doctor's theories, but Stacy refused. Stacy 
paid for Michael's funeral with $55,000 that she received from his life insurance policy. And then she took her kids on a trip to Disney World. Well, that's nice. Um, I don't think it's nice. I think it's weird. In what way? Uh, your dad dies and then you immediately go to Disney World. I feel like that's pretty, that's strange. That's a weird mix of emotions. Mm, yeah. It's called the happiest place on earth. Right, right. The funeral wasn't at Disney World. Okay. No, his funeral is in Weedsport, where they live, in upstate New York, which actually isn't that far from where we are. Investigators learned all of this in the wake of David Castor's death, and then they wondered if Michael Wallace died of antifreeze poisoning at Stacy's hand. In September 2007, two years after David's death, police persuaded a judge to allow them to exhume Michael Wallace's corpse and run toxicology labs on it, looking for traces of antifreeze crystals. Apparently, like when you drink antifreeze, um, it it like forms these really actually beautiful crystals inside your body and your organs, and they like never break down ever. So if someone's been poisoned with antifreeze, like these crystals will be inside the coffin, like with people with the bones, like forever. So, oh uh, wow! Just yeah. Yeah. a note to anyone thinking of poisoning their spouse with antifreeze: <laughs> it's a bad way to go. A few days later, the medical examiner completed the autopsy and told police that Michael Wallace's organs were full of antifreeze crystals. Police brought mm. Cantor in for questioning and they asked her to walk them through her last moments with her husband, David. She had a Freudian slip of the tongue and said, quote, well, when I was pouring the antifreeze, I mean the cranberry juice into the glass. And that oh. essentially confirmed police's suspicions. Police pressed her on this and Stacy immediately accused them of trying to frame her. She ended the interview demanding to have a lawyer present in any future communications. So yeah, she like, like it's in this documentary that I watched, she, that's like on tape. So that's pretty bad. I, I think I've said something about her being a strong woman before, but I, I totally take that back. I told you so. But on the other hand, if she was innocent, I, I don't think she was, but if, if she was like, how like that would be the, the worst Freudian slip, you know? That's that's not something innocent people say. No, but like you're so let's play devil's advocate. Imagine if you're so worried about coming across a certain way, it's in your head, so you end up saying it, you know? No, I don't. I I can't identify with what you're saying. Or like we're we're love making. Uh, sorry, sorry for the listeners. Maybe this is a bit too oh too much information. And I shout out Shelly or something like that in that because I'm I'm not I'm not thinking you're Shelly from from work but I'm thinking oh what would be the worst thing to say and that's popped into my head and then instead of avoiding saying that I, I say it you know I'm so mad at you I can't even please please just let me get through this episode please okay after this Stacy warned her children that the police thought she murdered David Police knew Stacy was panicking and they received a warrant to wiretap her phone. They also installed cameras outside her house and at the cemetery to see if she would visit the grave sites. Stacy drove to the cemetery to confirm the rumors that police had exhumed Michael's body. And once she saw it was true, she really started to panic. The medical examiner changed Michael's cause of death from suicide to homicide. And the police approached Stacy's eldest daughter, Ashley, at school where she was beginning her first day of college. They told her that her father had died of antifreeze poisoning, just like David. 
Ashley refused to believe it and called her mother upset. Stacy tried to comfort Ashley and suggested that they have a drink together to relieve some of the stress of these developments. In recent interviews with the media, Ashley said her mother had never invited her to drink with her before, especially since she was only 20 years old at the time. To quote Ashley, apparently Stacy said, it's been a hard week, let's just get drunk. So that's pretty weird. Yeah. Ashley was excited to have been given permission to drink from her mom, so she rushed home to meet her. Stacy handed her a mixed drink, Ashley drank it, and passed out. Ashley woke up the next morning, hung over, and drove to school. When she returned home after class, Stacy again invited Ashley to drink. This time, though, Ashley protested, saying, quote, it's not even noon yet. Stacy replied that it would be noon by the time they were drunk. Ashley later said she obeyed her mother's orders because they were best friends and Ashley wanted to please her. And as we say, when we're on holiday, it's happy hour somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I don't say that, but you've said that often and loudly. Yeah, well, I only get five days a year off, so do need to enjoy it. In the morning, Bree went into Ashley's room and found her in bed unresponsive. She panicked and told her mother, prompting Stacy Caster to yet again call 911. She requested an ambulance to come for her daughter, who Stacy said had taken some pills the night before. While on the phone, Stacy told the operator that Ashley had drunk an entire bottle of vodka and began vomiting uncontrollably. Bree was still in Ashley's room while her mother talked to 911, and Bree noticed a typed letter next to Ashley's bed. She picked it up, read it, and realized it was a suicide note. Bree handed it to Stacy, who told the 911 operator her daughter had actually attempted suicide. When police arrived at the caster's house, the ambulance was already there, taking care of Ashley. The detective read the suicide note and realized it was also a confession to the murders of David Caster and Michael Wallace. With the line, quote, the police think it was you, but it was really me, appearing verbatim. Ashley also claimed that she performed both these murders for her mother to protect her, allegedly. By the time the ambulance drove Ashley to the hospital, she was catatonic and doctors later confirmed that if she had been discovered even 15 minutes later, she would have died. That's how close to death this girl was. When she woke up, doctors asked if she had any, if she had tried to commit suicide. Ashley was confused, telling them that she had laid down to take a nap and that was the last thing she could remember. Police then presented her with a suicide note and Ashley flat out denied writing the note or confessing to the murders. She told investigators the last thing she remembered was having a drink with her mother, which she said tasted gross, but her mother implored her to finish it anyway. Uh, She did what her mother told her and Ashley became really tired, went to take a nap and didn't remember anything else until she woke up a day later in the hospital. There were some pretty damning things in this suicide note. Um, Detectives studied it and noticed that whoever wrote the note had written the word anti-free instead of the correct word anti-freeze. And they cross-referenced Stacey Cantor's recorded police interviews and they watched her on camera mistakenly call the chemical anti-free during several interviews. And that's when they knew that the note had been forged and that Stacy Castor had tried to murder her own daughter and pin the murders of her ex-husbands on Ashley. That's your reaction? That's a little lackluster. Police were reluctant to allow Stacy to see her daughter after she regained consciousness in the hospital, but Stacy demanded. So police escorted her in for a brief visit. Bizarrely, Stacy apologized to Ashley, 
told her she loved her and left the room. While Stacy was outside the hospital smoking a cigarette, police arrested her for one murder and one attempted murder. In news interviews after her arrest, Stacy Castor maintained that Ashley was the murderer and had tried to kill herself. Stacy's defense attorneys also based their defense around this theory. They searched the Castor home for supporting evidence and found a note from Ashley to an ex-boyfriend after they had broken up years earlier in which Ashley mentions contemplating suicide multiple times, especially after the death of her father. Mm -hmm. Many of Stacy's friends also believed Ashley was guilty, in addition to Ashley's own grandmother, who was staunchly convinced of Stacy's innocence. To reiterate, Ashley was 11 years old at the time of her father's murder. So what Stacy Cantor is telling everyone and what her defense attorneys are telling everyone is that this 11-year-old knew how to poison her father with antifreeze over the course of like four weeks. So mm. that's like, you know, that's pretty ridiculous, obviously. The trial began in January of 2009. Prosecutors presented evidence for essentially three cases. The first was the murder of David Castor. The second was the attempted murder of Ashley Wallace. And the judge allowed prosecutors to present tangential evidence relating to Michael Wallace's murder although Stacy was not formally charged with that crime during her trial. Oh, can you do that? Can you introduce other related cases, but the um, person on trial is not being charged for that? Apparently, that? yeah. If they think it like is relevant, obviously, yeah, they did. But most of the time, I feel like I hear that they have barred that, you know? Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. So, I don't know. I guess this judge also really didn't like Stacey Castor, but... I don't, I, I don't like her either. Yeah, I mean, well, you did like her at the top of the episode. I... But yeah, well, I might have to take edit that part out. Well, your judgment's always faulty a little bit on women. I mean, at the time, I felt it was a bit strange to say. I, I, I said she was a strong, powerful woman or something like that. But I was conscious of the fact that, you know, you have said that I don't support women enough. So I, I was trying to. No, I've said that you don't support this woman enough. You don't support me enough. Okay. Right. I, I think it came from a good place of wanting to be better. You're, I, no problem. You're always like making these grand gestures and it's just like so inappropriate. Like this is the time that you showed up to the women's march to march with us. Do you remember when yeah. you did that? It was so embarrassing. Well, I, I marched, didn't I? Like, Not with me, you didn't. I, I told you to go home. I was like, Harry, this is four women. These are my friends. These are my sisters. Yeah, and then it's like you come and try to make it about you. Right, well, I don't know. Is it making it about me that I turn up with a shirt saying men supporting women? Yeah, it is. And it's I told you to burn that fucking shirt. I'm, it's so embarrassing. And it's like, you don't even care when you're upsetting me. That's like the most upsetting part is that I will cry. I will explain my feelings. And you're just like a brick wall. And that's what hurts the most. So... Is it inappropriate that I bring a megaphone and chant, my pussy bites back? Yes. Maybe. Yes. And it's very embarrassing. And furthermore, honestly, Harry, most of the time people just think you're making fun of them. You showed up mm. and Lauren literally thought you were a men's rights activist because she had never met you. Right. And I'm not in that scene at, at all. So, yeah. Ashley was the first witness for the prosecution. She recounted the death of her father, as well as the nights of drinking with her mother that culminated in her hospitalization. Throughout her entire testimony, 
Stacy Castor sat in the courtroom and said nothing, remaining stoic and emotionless. The defense tried to imply. And you criticize me for calling her a strong woman. And look at you over here saying she's stoic. You know? How are those the same? What? A little bit, yeah. No, what? What are you talking about? A little bit similar. No, they're not similar. I'm asking you, please explain what the fuck you're talking about. Joyce has taught me to just take a deep breath when you use cuss words around me and then not react. So I'm sorry I swore on you. It's okay. It just cut, it, I slipped out. I know you didn't mean it. And I didn't know you didn't mean to say stoic because I think Stacy Castor is trash. And maybe you feel otherwise, but I'm here to say she was not a good person. Do you know, I'm going to, I'm looking up the definition of stoic because I don't really think you know what it means. Oh, okay. It means a person who can endure pain or hardship without showing their feelings or complaining. So I would say I'm pretty stoic then. I would say that you complain constantly. Oh, without complaining. Okay. Yeah, that's the whole point. Oh, sorry. I thought it was you endure endure uh, a lot and you can and, and and you complain but that's yeah okay anyway the defense tried to imply that ashley's motive was anger at her father for favoring her younger sister and more anger at david castor for interrupting the bond she had formed with her mother prosecutors made note of stacy castor's professional background which included several years working for an ambulance dispatch company while she was married to michael wallace Police questioned how a woman with experience dealing with severe medical trauma would not urge her husband to seek immediate medical care in the wake of a serious, unexplained illness. Likewise, prosecutors also questioned if a woman who had lost two husbands would really wait almost 24 hours before seeking medical care for her daughter, unless she didn't want her daughter to survive. The prosecution argued that Stacy's crimes were financially motivated, since she had collected about $50,000 from each of her husband's life insurance policies. Honestly, I mean, if you're only going to make $100,000 total, like, that's not even, why even have life insurance? Yeah, that's not worth it. Yeah. No, seriously. Totally, I'm with you there. Yeah, finally. Thank you. You're on my side for something. Stacy uh, forged David Castor's will so that after his death, his entire estate, including vintage cars, motorcycles, and snowmobiles, plus his successful business, was left entirely to Stacy and her two daughters. His son, David Jr., was cut out of the will entirely, which David's ex-wife found hard to believe, since David and his son had had a close relationship. Stacy told investigators that David Castor had been inspired to poison himself after watching a news special with Stacy about Julia Lynn Turner, a Georgia woman who murdered two husbands by sickening them with antifreeze in 2004. Investigators gleaned that Stacy had been the one inspired by this case. The trial lasted four weeks and the defense called Stacy Castor as their final witness. During her testimony, Stacy was calm and measured, not getting emotional, even when describing finding her daughter extremely close to death. The prosecutor cross-examined Stacy the following day and focused on a piece of tape captured on the police's wiretap of the caster's landline. Stacy was on the phone with a friend 
and the click of a computer keyboard could be heard in the background. Forensic IT investigators confirmed that the Word program was in use on the caster's only computer during the same time as this recorded phone call, and the prosecution deduced that this was when Stacy typed up the phony suicide note, especially considering that during this time, both Ashley and Bree were confirmed to be at school and Stacy was home alone. Furthermore, investigators found two earlier drafts of the suicide note saved on the family computer, leading prosecutors to deduce that Stacy had worked on the letter periodically, perfecting it before placing it next to Ashley's nearly lifeless body. In presenting the evidence, the prosecutor became so emotional, he was screaming at Stacy Castor, trying to get her to confess. The entire time, she remained stoic and even-tempered. So, so yeah, basically, it's like this lady is so sloppy, you know, it's like she's leaving her fingerprints on stuff. She basically confessed to the police in that weird interview, um, multiple drafts of the suicide letter like this, you know, just uh, begging to be caught. That's how I would describe Stacey Castor. Yeah, that's crazy. The jury came back after deliberating for four days, finding Stacey Castor guilty of second degree murder in the case of David Castor and guilty in the attempted murder of Ashley Wallace. Stacy remained emotionless as these verdicts were read. How crazy is that, you know? Mm. If you were convicted of murdering me and our our baby, like, and you just stood there and you didn't, like, cry or anything, I, I, I would look mm. at you like, what a monster. And you'd be right to do that, yeah. Yeah, from the grave, I would watch you and just be like, wow, he's... So I think that's really creepy that she did that. Yeah. But, you know, what did she used to call antifreeze, antifree, right? So like, she's not not the brightest woman going around. So maybe she just doesn't have that level of, I don't know, emotional intelligence or compassion. Are you Stacey Castor too stupid to cry right now? Basically, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I have no problem with that. Both of Stacey's daughters, as well as Michael and David's families, all believed that Stacey was rightfully found guilty. At her sentencing hearing... Ashley read a tearful victim statement to her mother, saying that she both loved and hated her mother for all the lives she had ruined. Throughout this, Stacey Gaster still remained emotionless, not shedding even a single tear. Can you imagine that? Your kids looking at you and being like, you're my mom. I love you. We had a great relationship, but like you're a fucking murderer. I've, they have the testimony in this in this 2020 documentary and like Stacey Castor is just fucking stone cold. You would honestly, if she wasn't like in a courtroom, you would think she was in line at the DMV. Like that's her level of, it's crazy. She should have fucking ear pods in. That's what she looks like. Yeah, bizarre. I, I mean, for someone who do, would do all this, who's to say their response to anything makes makes any sense, you know? For what, 50 grand per, per person? I guess 100 grand used to go a lot further here in upstate New York back then than it does today, sadly for us. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah, disappears. Stacey Castor was sentenced to 51 years in prison. She died in prison of a heart attack a mere eight years into her sentence at the age of 48. A year after her imprisonment, family members alerted police to the circumstances surrounding the death of Stacey's father, Jerry Daniels. Apparently... Daniels had been hospitalized in February 2002 for an issue with his lungs. By all accounts, he was recovering after a minor surgery until his daughter Stacy visited him, offering him a drink from an open can of soda. Castor's father died the very next day, and Stacy had his remains cremated. 
She was the executor of his will, allowing her to inherit his entire estate. Was it 50 grand? I don't know how much it was. It was it's not reported. Police stopped investigating this crime after Stacy's death in 2016, since no additional charges could be brought anyway. Uh, and um, I mean, it would be very different if her father had been buried somewhere because you could just exhume the body and, you know, check for crystals. Uh, but once you cremate the body, it's like, you know, that's that's a pretty good way to get rid of uh, antifreeze evidence. So, yeah, I mean, particularly if the ashes are scattered into the ocean, almost impossible to check that's a leak by the way do you know that really yeah see we can't do it for your mom i know that's what she wants but tell her it's i'm not going to jail for your mom i am no you shouldn't do it because it's actually an epa like health hazard right you want people breathing in your mom i don't Uh, you know what i was thinking i have to run this by mom but wouldn't it be cool to like take someone's ashes right you know lush yes i know lush do a collab with lush where they use a loved one's ashes in like yeah face masks or bath bombs so you can like you can have like a bath bomb and like remember a loved one that is so creepy please tell me you didn't actually just say that well i I don't it's not like you're having a bath with my mom it's it's not that at all it's it's like your mom would be like inside me you want your mom inside you right it is worse when you say that way yeah that is you want your mom in between your toes Mm, no yeah that's okay jesus it was just an idea like i've i mean horrible idea well if you keep calling my ideas horrible like i'm gonna be less no that's like literally probably one of the worst ones i ever ever but how am I supposed to share my ideas if you just sh- shoot them down like that? You don't have to share every idea with me. We've talked about this. It's called buy a diary. Okay, but... And then I'll read but, your diary but, and then I'll know. And then if I think it's a good idea, we can discuss it. But would it kill you to not shit on my ideas all the time? Yeah, it would. I, I get the but maybe the bath bomb is too far. But maybe face face creams or uh, yeah maybe no okay. no 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 ashes not, in, my, not my best idea but you don't need to shit on it this month. your mom is uh, she's a nice person she's an yeah. old woman she is not the face of health or beauty so she wouldn't be I, what what if your mother was linda evangelista i'd be like yeah maybe make a face mask out of her but harry come on face mask i'm not saying take it I'm not saying make a mask out of her face. That is like no, 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 like a cream, like you're saying. The chainsaw massacre. Oh my god, that is not what I meant. That is not what I meant. I hope she doesn't hear this. For what you said, what I said, what I said was not a bad idea. Actually, to be fair, it's not a great idea, but it's a heinous idea. Still better than wearing my mom's face. That wasn't my idea. Actually, and you know what? That isn't a bad idea because that was a fucking movie that is classic that made tons of money. So if that was my idea, it actually technically is better than yours. Wow. Okay. Wow. Listeners, that was the heinous case of Stacey Castor. So like I said, pretty full of twists and turns. Harry, did you see that thing with the daughter coming? No. Yeah, I didn't. The evil that you're trying to frame your daughter as well like that. Pretty bad, right? Yeah, and then just being stone cold when the... I mean, she and she's like a really unattractive, 
I mean, obviously, emotionally, she's unattractive, but physically, she's pretty. Let me give me, I'm just going to get my phone out. Let's have a look. Well, yeah, she, you know. She looks like a woman who would use your mom's ashy face cream. I guess, well, you know, in, in her later years, she was like that, but I'm just typing Stacy Caster Young. I might try, try Stacy Caster Pot, maybe. That would be the. Harry, don't. What? Ew, stop. Just to try to find a, a more, you know, favorable picture of her, just because I, I don't I want to be unbiased here, because it's there um, are no most, pictures of her. Most of these pictures are not uh, flattering, so yes, that was a mistake to search that. All right, I'm going to stop. Okay. All right, and that was this week's episode of Deadly Ever After. Yeah. All right, let's try again. And that was this week's episode of. I'm not trying again. Deadly Ever After. Harry and I have not been in a good place the last couple of episodes, and I apologize for that. We are really trying just to get through it, and um, we we appreciate you still sticking around and coming back week after week, so. You know, thank you for for, um, for the effort you put in, like. Uh, thank you. Well, Honestly, I just, I need you to like, just respect me more and not like just actively try to disrail the podcast so bad because it's just like, do you hear how tired I sound? I feel like I sound you do. really yeah. tired and it's like, I, this is not gonna, yeah. it's not gonna get any easier week after week if you just keep like bringing in all these distractions because you think it's funny, like it's just hurtful. Yeah. I, you know, I, I respect what you're saying and I will try to do better. Well, listeners, there you have it. Don't forget to rate and review on iTunes. Leave us a review. Tell us what you think. Um, you can also email us. That's like listed on the show notes. And uh, yeah, we're always open to your ideas and suggestions. You know, join our Patreon if you want bonus content, bonus episodes, behind the scenes. You know, we try to like have a really organic kind of uh energy i guess you could call it on the podcast so believe it or not there are things that we do edit out um and if you want access to that patreon.com slash dea podcast um we also have merch t-shirts and buttons and stuff that i've designed i think harry expressed a little bit of interest in designing a line but i mean who knows if that'll ever come to fruition but again get on patreon yell at us tell us what you want if you do become a patreon you do get uh that producer recognition and we will um, uh, we will read your name at the end of the episode. Um, yeah, like like now, for example. Right. Okay, everybody, that's it, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.